conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to In Conclusion, the only movie podcast where I finally get the feeling that Gordon Ramsay got when he got a good plate of food. Finally, a good fucking meal. (laughs) After the last eight quote-unquote films that we've watched we're on to something we're on to finally some good fucking film you fucking thought (laughs) i am dan o'keefe and joining me as always is anna otto anna how are you dan you and i are similar in a lot of ways similar but we are different in so many (laughs) in so many number one being no, that's it. Number I, one is being. Number one is being. I, unlike you, when Gordon Ramsay received his delicious meal, finally some good fucking food, mine sat down in front of me and I went, it's roar. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Um, so in case you haven't gathered, we are on away from the Disney universe for a while away from twilight um away from romance basically away from boo boo stewart yeah what a nightmare so i guess i apologize to you anna for removing fun from your life for the next three weeks i want you to know that gage said something to the effect of what was it he said yesterday he said something like we were having a great time with boo boo and now this (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, we are going, because our 100th episode, we're talking about Joker, as was written in the stones that Moses brought down from the mountain. <laughs> no! The 11th the commandment. Com- yes! The, not the 10th com- there are it's 10. It's the 10th. Yeah, I know. God said, thou shalt watch Joker. I actually have something episode. to tell you what? when you're done with this. No, no finish your statement. Uh, we're watching Joker's spiritual predecessors. That mm-hmm. being the movie today, Taxi Driver, and next week's The King of Comedy. So we're really just starting at a peak and seeing how fast that roller coaster can vertically drop by the time we get to Joker. But anyway, what's your point? Uh, so my coworker, Lisa, who sometimes listens to us. Hi, Lisa. Love Hi, her. Hi, Lisa. I love you more. Honestly, rude. <laughs> um... My coworker Lisa. <laughs> the one just to I clarify, love. Dan, this is not the one that said you were hot. Sorry. Oh, Lisa, I take it back until you say I'm hot, and then uh, she she's an adult woman. Well, technically, so am I, I guess. What she's are adult women not allowed to think that I'm hot? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm decreeing the rule <laughs> that it would be as though someone was saying my brother was hot. Foul. Sorry, Dan. I'm hurt, I'm aghast, and I'm in pain. But continue. What is this point? <laughs> the point is, so Lisa sometimes listens to us, and she's like, oh, what movie are you doing? I told her. I was like, ugh, we're watching Taxi Driver. And I swear to you, she goes, oh, 
so I come in the next day. I was like, Lisa, I watched Taxi Driver last night. She goes, Anna, do you think it's a spiritual predecessor to the Joker? <laughs> Unprompted. <laughs> and I was like, what? The room was spinning, Dan. I was like, excuse me? And she's like, what do you think? And I was like, are you are you saying this? Did somebody tell you to say this? She's like, no. Just asking. And I was like, yes, but also, <gasps> so. Fates are aligning. The universe I literally, is telling us this is the right thing to do. And then at the same time, we both went, Robert De Niro was kind of fine back in the day. <laughs> oh my gosh, where it's the scene with his shirt off? Oh my gosh. Oh, not me thirsting. He is trim. He's um, a good looking man. Anyway, I just thought you'd really appreciate that she said that to me. I had to hold on to my chair. I thought I was going <laughs> to fall. Uh, we also, this is also the first of the five pillars of the in conclusion intro also clips. had me shook also had me shook this is actually the titular in conclusion title read the other four movies that are in the intro are sherlock holmes the robert downey mm -hmm. jr one uh mm -hmm. star wars episode one the phantom menace love her Do dr strange love mm -hmm. and office space mm-hmm so, you know, five films of equal quality. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, when we were watching this movie, I was, like, minding my own business, and all of a sudden I heard, in conclusion. And I, again, <laughs> I was aghast. I was agog. It's a jump scare for you specifically. It, it was a jump scare, Dan. <laughs> I was sitting on my couch, minding my own business on a fine Monday evening, when all of a sudden, in, in conclusion... conclusion. <laughs> My fight or flight was activated. Uh, so, um, yes. Oh, what? I have one more thing to say. Okay. I thought this was a comedy for a while. <laughs> what? Is As it in, until you told me that it was the predecessor. And then I talked to Gage and he said, yeah, don't you know the whole thing is Jodie Foster's a 12-year-old prostitute. And I said, she's a what? And I also didn't realize she wasn't an adult. You know, I told you because so everyone. Mm-hmm. The 2022 cast of Assassins by Stephen Sondheim just had their album go up. The Revival cast yeah. had their album go up on Spotify. And a couple actors that I really like on Broadway are in it. So I was giving it a listen. I was vibing. Jody, Jody. Because there's a whole song about the guy who about tried John to kill Hanks the president. Jr. Yes. So I was vibing. I was like, ooh. You know, I'm singing, I'm singing, I'm vibing, I'm unworthy of your love. I don't, I know that Taxi Driver is the reason why this man fell in love with Jodie Foster, but I don't know yes. the details. I did not know she was a child, which made mm -hmm. this so much worse. So much worse. And you'd think, you know, an assassination of the president attempt would be pretty bad to begin with. I was doing some research because I was I was like singing my song. I'm like, oh, I'm unworthy of your love, Jody, Jody. I looked into it. I was like, this is. I think I got the movie and the TV show with Tony Danza confused. Taxi. Tony Danza was in Taxi? I think so. Tony Danza was in Who's the Boss? Yeah, he can be in more than one thing. Taxi cast. Tony Danza. Boom. He was in... What? Yeah, with Danny DeVito. Yeah, I've seen Taxi. It's great. 
He's second build, Tony Danza. Hold me closer. Mm-mm-mm. So I, got, I think I get it confused with the TV show. But I've watched a movie, and I will never make that mistake again. Tony Danza was nowhere to be found. Anyway, as a result of having listened to the Assassin's cast, I figured out uh, the plot of this within two minutes. Perfect. So that's where I'm at. Um, all I will say about Assassins is, So you want to kill a president? Oh, no! <laughs> no! No! <laughs> So, if you haven't gathered by now, the movie that we're talking about today is Taxi Driver, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader, produced by Michael and Julia Phillips, starring Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, Albert Brooks, Harvey Keitel, Leonard Harris, Peter Boyle, Sybil Shepard, and, somehow, Martin Scorsese. Uh, what? With, yeah, he's the guy in the back of the taxi cab who says he's going to kill his wife shut up he looks That's, like a young bernard from i guess um the santa claus i guess i just assumed bernard. that martin scorsese has always been elderly <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i just picture him as this little old man he was young it was the 70s he was swinging baby oh god he was doing uh, something Music by Bernard Herrmann in his final production, he actually died before the movie came out, released on February 7th, 1976, with a budget of $1.9 million. It made $28.6 million at the box office, which adjusted for inflation is more than that. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 96%, what? with an average rating of 9.1 out of 10. A must-see no, film for movie lovers. This no. Scorsese masterpiece is as hard-hitting as it is compelling with Robert De Niro at his best. I'm going to say something bold. Okay. Martin Scor As someone who loves The Godfather, okay? Let's preface with that. Which Martin Scorsese did not have anything to do with. I thought he directed that. Nope. Who directed that? <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> AOFFC. Good work. Okay, Good but I can go back to what I said. What was your point going to be? My point is that... <laughs> <laughs> Martin Scorsese movies are for people who pretend they have... They want to say they have taste, so they pick something basic. And by people, I mean white men. Uh, I That's feel it. seen. I resemble that comment. I'm hurt. <laughs> It's these movies. The, oh, this is not a classic. If I wanted to see this, I could look out the fucking window and watch the news. If I wanted to see a fucking domestic <laughs> terrorist, Dan, I'm laughing because if I didn't laugh, I would cry. Uh, so to give you a quote from the white man, Roger Ebert. No. Taxi driver is a hell. From the opening <laughs> shot of the cab emerging from Stygian clouds of steam to the climactic killing scene in which the camera finally looks straight down. Scorsese wanted to look away from Travis's rejection. We almost want to look away from his life. But he's there, all right, and he's suffering. Uh, <coughs> suffering from needs a therapist. Mm -hmm. Suffering from this is why women are afraid to reject men. <laughs> like... <laughs> Suffering from porn addiction. Suffering from 
It's the seventies. Everyone had porn addiction. You're right. That I'm taking. It's been stricken from the list of things he's <laughs> suffering from. Suffering from probably PTSD because he was mm-hmm. in the military. But you know what? That doesn't mean it's okay for him to hate women. That's true. I will. Okay. This movie's very anti-woman. I don't think the movie <laughs> itself is anti-woman. I think Travis is anti-woman. Anti-woman. Okay, I guess not. I was I was on a rampage. You're right. Yeah. Um, we are not I supposed even, to I don't root even know. for him. No. He's the designated protagonist. That doesn't make him the hero. I don't even know if I think he's anti-woman because he does try to help um, Iris. No, he's a he's a white knight incel. Yeah, thank you. Oh, God, where's his fucking fedora? I swear to you, Dan. (laughs) The whole time I was watching this movie, with each breath, he morphed into more and more of what I see in my night terrors. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Also, I didn't know that that scene where Robert De Niro has a mohawk was from this movie. So that was, I went... (gasps) When it came on screen. Because that's a famous scene, so obviously yes. I've seen it before. I just didn't realize it was from this movie. Yeah, I assumed that you'd seen that and you'd seen the You Talking to Me scene. Yeah, because my dad says has. that sometimes because everybody's dad says that. Yeah. It's a dad I say thing. it as confirmed. America's dad. Theory confirmed. <laughs> um, so is this the first time that you watched it? Yeah, ever in my life. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean... Based on how you're talking about it, it makes sense. This is not your... This is not a vibes movie. This is an anti-vibes movie. I'm trying to either be scared because of ghosts Mm -hmm. or watch something funny. I'm not trying to be scared of something that I could actually encounter in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not something... I don't think this movie could be made today. I think that it was only... That Joker was only able to be made because it was painted through the lens of this is a superhero comic yeah this is a character whereas this could be any fucking dude on the street mm-hmm. and the worst part is they're fucking everywhere yeah and we've all met one yes whether we know it or not i think that in thinking of what the actual scariest movies of all time are mm-hmm. in a a real life sense as in this could happen mm-hmm. this and then the father which came out last year it's about anthony hopkins and like him having parkinson's and losing his mind and it's told from his perspective oh god that sounds so sad is, oh my gosh it's the scariest thing in the world i don't think i want to see that that sounds like i would cry for 15 minutes afterwards yeah oh my gosh heartbreaking and no, terrifying yeah, um, I'm I'm okay for right now. I'm not in an emotional position to watch that movie. <laughs> so as every breath that you took and every shot changed in the movie, it got closer and closer to your nightmares. I'm as that, a woman, yeah. correct. <laughs> no, I just I think it like I just don't think this movie could be made today without the lens of a, a superhero or comic book villain because it's something we see every day. A freaking day doesn't pass without somebody being like, such and such place was shot up. One person died. One child died. Yeah. 
and it's sad and it's devastating and obviously this is like worse than i mean he was a domestic terrorist he was attempting to or considering um attempting to assassinate a political figure but at the end of the day a person dying is still a person dying and it's always bad no matter what yeah i so i was reading in the writing of the movie by paul schrader mm -hmm. um originally travis wasn't going to end the movie shooting up a pimp's house i don't know what to call it um a, i would a, say a den a... of ill repute there we go something like that pimp is not a correct term these days it's just trafficker <laughs> i heard <laughs> from who a, um, a, a different trafficker? podcast a woke podcast <laughs> um originally it wasn't written that he was going to to have the the shooting there it was going to be like in the politician's office or something like that a mm -hmm. more um i guess public arena and it was interesting mm -hmm. paul schrader said something about how the public reacts when it's somebody doing that uh against traffickers mm -hmm. versus politicians and political workers when in the end it's still murder yeah i guess it's just like I I don't think it's right to kill anyone at any point. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of how I am. I think it's not my choice to decide if someone should die or not. Yeah. I think I, it's up to the cast of Selling Sunset to decide who lives and who dies. It's up to the cast of Hamilton who lives, who dies, who tells our story. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Like, I just, I'm not down for all that i don't really like thinking about that kind of stuff i think we all have been conditioned to think oh yeah that superhero or that protagonist or whatever that lead in the movie killed this bad guy who was planning to do bad things and i think it's because when you think of politicians in real life and in movies, even if you don't like them, mm -hmm. it's scary to think to yourself, at least in America, I can't speak to other countries, like obviously when, when like Hitler died, I'm sure it was like a fucking sigh of relief to a lot of people. But again, then again, he killed himself. <laughs> this could be a whole like thing I think it the idea of even if you don't necessarily love the person leading your country it's the idea of I am now without a leader who is going to protect me mm -hmm. do I think Trump would give a fucking rat's ass about me and protect me no but I definitely think that would be where my brain would have gone if anything mm -hmm. had ever happened to the leader of the country. Again, I don't think it's right to even joke about somebody being killed. And we're get I'm getting too personal That's in my fine. thoughts. Anyway, uh, you know what I mean. I just I'm getting too deep. Shifting over to 
uh, a different part of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So the soundtrack by Bernard Herrmann is wonderful. What? I thought the, so- the soundtrack was so good. It's so repetitive. It's wonderful. Oh, it was the same two freaking notes, Dan. Oh, Dan. We are not going to see eye to eye on this one, my friend. No, we are not. I just wanted to let you know some of the other things that he composed. Okay. Um, Citizen Kane. Oh! Psycho. <sighs> North by Northwest. A bunch of stuff for the Twilight Zone. Okay, wait, wait. I'm back. <laughs> uh, the original Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, Fahrenheit 451, Cape Fear, a uh, bunch of radio dramas. So and... he did things that were in black and white? Yeah, and North by Northwest. This all makes so much sense, Dan. No wonder you love him. <laughs> Dan, I swear you have to put on special black and white glasses when you watch TV just because you don't like the colors. Oh, I just, okay. I don't like how you worded that. Okay, you don't like the (laughs) multi, the chromatic scale on your screen. You like the black and white old-timey look. There, is that better? Sure. He also did the, (laughs) um, the soundtrack for Jane Eyre in 1944. Mm. Um, Doesn't that sound absolutely thrilling? He was nominated for best original score for taxi driver he did not win though good uh taxi driver actually was nominated for four academy awards best picture best actor for robert de niro best supporting actress for jodie foster and best original score best picture they must have had some real incels on the committee that year oh my gosh (laughs) calm down the other movies nominated for best picture by the way were all the president's men great movie uh Bound for Glory, which I haven't seen. Network, great movie. And the winner, Rocky, great movie. That makes sense. I would have voted for Rocky also. Oh, I'm sorry. You need to have your happy ending spoon-fed to you. Yes, I do. You can't accept a movie that reflects real life. There were no fucking turtles in this movie. That's bullshit. (laughs) Nobody said, Mick, cut my eye. What's the point? Oh, let's just get into the movie. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) So, movie starts out. Travis Bickle. (laughs) He is our protagonist, not our hero, played by Robert De Niro. And he goes to a taxi depot to get a job as a night driver. um, Because he can't sleep at night. We also hear him monologuing throughout the movie in letters that he's writing to his parents. He's got the fucking handwriting of a 12-year-old. I just want to come right out and say that. I don't know if that's Robert De Niro's real handwriting or what, but it was crusty. He also writes in pencil the whole time, which hurt me. Buy a pen. Yeah, he is an immature person. Uh, So he is an honorably discharged Vietnam veteran Marine. We assume Vietnam veteran. Uh, It's never explicitly said. Uh, And he does get the night job after he... Makes an impression on the personnel officer, who is also a veteran. Um, and we learn that he is a lonely and depressed 26-year-old. Me who is too. Him? Who is him? <laughs> <laughs> he, he sends letters to his parents saying that his life is going great and that he works with the Secret Service. Oh, um, why would he do this? 
He spends his days alone in his run-down, I assume, roach-and-rat-infested apartment. Or in CD porn theaters on 42nd Street. Disgusting. Something that's really interesting about Taxi Driver is because of the time frame that it was filmed in, it is a portrait of a dying Manhattan compared to what Man- Midtown Manhattan and Times Square is today. Because mm-hmm. then Times Square was porn Rusty. theaters and prostitutes and mm-hmm. uh, you know, suburban people were afraid of going near there. And then mm-hmm. now Times Square is Walt Disney World, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so at one theater... He tries to hit on the concessions lady, and she is not having it. He wants jujubes, specifically. The candy of a crust. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. Uh, And then nothing goes for him. He's again, he doesn't have any game. He's creepy. He's an insult. If that man approached me, I would call my supervisor so fucking fast, Dan. Now, what if he was shirtless? Is it Robert De Niro or yeah. is it or is it Travis? Well, There's Robert a Robert De Niro as Travis. No. Okay. I want to know if it's just Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to extricate the art from the artist? I'm doing my best. Because <laughs> uh, so, Robert De Niro to me, meet the fuckers. Oh, so you like an older man. No, I just, I like Meet the Fockers. I'm not trying to. <laughs> <sighs> uh, so, Travis is working 12 and 14 hour shifts at night, uh, carrying passengers through all of New York City. During his breaks, he goes to an all night diner to have coffee and chips or something to eat with other taxi drivers, uh, including Peter Boyle mm-hmm. and others. When he popped on screen and went, I know him. <laughs> but then he said some is, things I didn't like. Yeah. Peter Boyle looks a lot like Scott Adsit from 30 Rock. I've uh, never watched that show, actually. Oh, well, he played Pete in 30 mm. Rock. Um, Thank you, Dan. Maybe it's just because they're bald men. Not all bald men look alike, Dan. <laughs> but they have the same hair. <sighs> I guess technically you're right. <laughs> if by same hair you mean I absence. mean the crown. They're not both Oh, fully the cul-de-sac. The it's cul-de-sac. a cul-de-sac. My yeah. dad is a cul-de-sac. Your dad looks like Peter Boyle. And Scott has. I don't agree with you, but okay. Uh, so Peter Boyle plays Wizard, who is the philosophical type. Um, is he? He says that he is. He's called himself that. Uh, and Wizard is saying that at nighttime the city degrades itself it's gross, it's disgusting um, and during all these conversations Travis doesn't know how to act he's just shy and like has weird um, responses when he is prompted because again Incelly. he is, yes mm-hmm. <laughs> an incel um, mm-hmm. as he's driving he drives past the campaign office for New York Senator Charles Palpatine, sorry, Palantine. <gasps> I called him Palpatine too. <laughs> and and I think sees... I called him Palantine. It is Palantine. 
Oh, no, I meant Palatine, like the city Oh, like the city in Illinois, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Betsy, who is a volunteer for his campaign, Travis sees and immediately falls in love with her. Uh, She's beautiful. When she first showed up on screen, I was like, Jodie Foster looks really old for a 12-year-old before realizing that was somebody completely different. Dan, Uh, you have worse face blindness than me. I realized it, like, a minute in. Okay. Uh, So, Betsy is friends with another co-worker, Albert Brooks. Uh, His character has a name, but it's just Albert Brooks. He was kind of funny in this. Do you know what else he's done? No. Oh, so he is a writer and an actor, too. Um, Mm -hmm. He was in broadcast news, and he is Marlin in Finding Nemo. Yeah, and he's Hank Scorpio on The Simpsons. No wonder I felt so safe with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta find my son! <laughs> oh, my little heart. Crying in the club. I'm gonna be crying myself to sleep tonight. So I freaking, oh, I freaking love. You know when I saw Finding Nemo for the first time, my mom told me that she wanted to leave the theater after the first scene because it was too sad. Well, first scene is devastating. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, Travis goes in to the office and asks to be a volunteer, but he really doesn't care about being a volunteer, um, as evidenced by when they're asking what he likes about the senator's uh, politics. He has no idea what's happening. Um, but Betsy, he asks Betsy out. She's intrigued and agrees to go on a date with him after they go out and get coffee. Um, no thanks <laughs> i would and have said no no really yeah okay <laughs> would you <laughs> it depends i do love turning down men okay not i say that like it happens every day it doesn't uh for the record <laughs> um, also i guess things are different now like but the way he was just sitting outside of her office watching her, like, in his taxi, absolutely And she not. notices it and calls it out. Like, that yeah, man exactly. has been watching us. And she still goes out with him? Fuck mm-hmm. no. If a guy was standing and staring at me from across the room, I-, I don't think I would do it. I think I would say, please leave me alone, you creep. Is that why it's not working for me? Yeah. Also probably because you have a long-term girlfriend. Well, wait, so after I stare at them from across the room for a while, when I finally get the nerve to go up and talk to them, my opening line of, my girlfriend said that I should come over and talk to you isn't doing me any favors either. I think not. My girlfriend and I were watching you from across the bar, and we think you just have, like, a great vibe, man. (gasps) Nightmare sentence. (laughs) Uh, So on the coffee date, Betsy describes Travis with a Chris Christopherson lyric, uh, He's a prophet and a pusher, partly truth, partly fiction, a walking contradiction. What a poet. <sighs> so, one day when Travis is working, he is disgusted by the moral decay around him because he's an incel. Oh, uh, God. It's giving big, I was born in the wrong time energy. Mm-hmm. It's giving fedora. Women don't dress modestly anymore. 
Oh my god, did I tell you Gage and I were watching a movie and the opening line was, women aren't feminine anymore, they just wear big baggy clothes. And Gage looked at me and started cracking up, because I only wear big baggy clothes. What movie is this? Fresh? It's the one with um, Sebastian Stan, and he plays a serial killer. Mm. It's really good. I highly recommend it. It's funny. In a dark way. Okay. Uh, but one night while driving on his shift, Iris, Jodie Foster, a 12-year-old mm-hmm. prostitute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to repeat that sentence. A 12-year-old prostitute. That made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. She is trying to escape from her trafficker. Thank you. Whoa. I think, I don't even think that's her trafficker. I think that's like um, a client. Um, yeah, I, so it's, I think it's a client first and then secondly her trafficker yeah. gets the car um so she's trying to to escape her client um but travis being shocked does not drive away fast enough and um her trafficker ends up going to the cab uh by the way her trafficker i'm gonna stop i'm just gonna say pimp he's called okay. a pimp in the movie i realize that it's swine. wrong um he's played by harvey Keitel. lol <laughs> And he gets to the cab, and then Sport, his name is Sport, and he grabs Iris away and then throws Travis a $20 bill as a bribe. Uh, I saw Travis, his coke nail. Travis is haunted for the rest of the time because he failed at saving her. Because <sighs> Not he the needs white to knight save her. syndrome. Mm-hmm. Literally go to therapy and get a fedora. Call it a day. Usually those two don't go together. It goes. You, I, there are two paths that you can go down. Either go to therapy or get a fedora, and they both lead to wildly different conclusions. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm just encouraging Tim to explore both options, you know? Mm-hmm. Not actually. Um, if you think if you have a superiority <laughs> complex, please go to therapy. Thank you. I do, but I still want a fedora. They went out. Okay, they were in when I was, like, in eighth grade, and I definitely had a few of them. I thought mm-hmm. I could pull them off. I couldn't. And neither can you, friend. So, on one of his ships, Travis ends up picking up the senator himself. Um, Emperor Palpatine. He, he tells the senator that he plans to vote for him, and the senator says that he lives more from cab drivers than from limo drivers, because, man, he's a good senator. He thinks he's woke. Uh, and the senator asks Travis, what's the thing that bugs you the most? And then Travis goes on a long diatribe describing how he thinks the city is filthy and disgusting and full of oh. scum. And he wants the president to clean the scum off of New York City. Oh, it, oh it, you're giving me the ick all over mm-hmm. again. I'm getting the ick. So this is a, a weird thing to bring up, but a week ago it was the anniversary of the... Um, columbine shooting mm-hmm. and in that people were posting like things about it and stuff from the the killers like Manifesto. journals and stuff yeah. mm-hmm. and god it sounds exactly the same yeah god exactly it how many times do i have to say the scariest villains are always the ones that you can find in real life mm-hmm. always that's what makes Brock Lesnar so terrifying. 
He's a real I was, person. I was thinking of Gaston <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast, actually. <laughs> Wait, you can find Gaston in real life? He's yeah, kind of penned in. You ever gone to a gym? <laughs> no one's singing. If they're all buffing... Yeah, you're not buff like it's Gaston. It's me. I'm Gaston. <laughs> I do eat six dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. The scariest villains are the ones you see in your mirror. <gasps> so, on the date with Betsy, Travis takes her to a porno theater to view Nightmare. the Swedish sex education film called Language of Love. Ugh, that's cringe. It's the 70s. No. Everybody's watching these. Lots of couples Deep go Throat to these. had a ten-year run in theaters. Listener, dear listener, you can. I don't see... know that off the top of my head. I'm reading okay. a book about the seventies. Oh God, what's it called? Bushes uh, and <laughs> and beavers. Yes. <laughs> no, it's called The Invisible Bridge. It's eight hundred mm. pages long. Ooh. Anyway, porno movies give me the ick. Also. We need to crochet that. Put it on some wall art. <laughs> Porn gives me the ick. Somewhere, a Christian mother is going, mm, someone out there is rejecting porn. Mm-hmm. I and love she it. Is, she is in Franklin, Wisconsin. Well, actually, I and am she is your mother. Tosa. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so, he offers to take her somewhere else, but she is offended, so she leaves and goes home alone. Mm-hmm. Uh Travis tries to reconcile with her, sending her flowers and phoning her, but it's all in vain. She refuses to speak with him because he doesn't realize that he did anything wrong. And therein lies the problem. Also, when he was like, she didn't call me back, she didn't answer my calls, I was like, you've been fucking ghosted. Move on. Fucking trash. (laughs) The woman couldn't even go to her own fucking job because he was showing up. Are you kidding Mm me? Uh, And when he does go to her job and she's there... Uh, he shouts that she will burn in hell like the rest of them. Ugh. Uh, Dan, I am experiencing fight or flight right now. <laughs> At one point during this movie, not even during like a dramatic scene, just mm-hmm. a general scene, my heart just started racing randomly. That's what it's like to be a woman every day. <laughs> every time I see a man, I get nervous and not in a fun way. Hi. I'm so anxious right now. <laughs> Damn, there's a man in my home. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's a man in my bedroom. There's a man in my bed. <laughs> He's snoring. Uh, so Travis, driving later that night, he ends up picking up a man who appears to be as mentally unbalanced or even more insane than Travis this, is. This racist-fueled sexism fueled self-loathing fueled oh the ick dan i said it once i'll say it again the worst villains are the ones you can see in everyday people in real life oh and it's martin scorsese the worst villain is martin scorsese (laughs) jump scare jump scare Uh, martin scorsese is a young man jump scare it is martin scorsese as this disturbed man and he Takes Travis to his wife, girlfriend. I don't remember which one. It's his um, wife. His, oh She's yeah, sleeping his wife. with another man. Um, and 
he's planning on killing both of them with a 44 Magnum. And then he describes what it looks like when you shoot a woman in the face and then also in her nether regions. Um, Please, no. Terrifying. Don't, just don't. Don't, no. And at least in this point in the movie, it appears that Travis has found somebody more insane than he is. For now. And, um... Quick production note. Unlike Quentin yes. Tarantino, who writes himself mm-hmm. into movies, so I think he has an excuse to say the N-word. Um, Ooh, that hits wrong. I don't like that. Watch Pulp Fiction again. Um, I've never seen that. Oh, well, he says the N-word like six times. Don't love that. Nope. Um, Martin Scorsese only played this role because the actor who was supposed to play it didn't show up. Eh. And then he I would have done the same thing. Hey, he didn't show up. I'll do it. Fuck him. Like, <laughs> but Scorsese didn't want to do it. That's the difference. Oh, never mind. You're I hoping everybody do... doesn't show up so it can be a one-woman <laughs> a... show. Yes! <laughs> yes! Nobody show up. I'm going to do it myself. Taxi, Taxi Anna. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, one evening at the diner, Travis talks to Wizard about how despaired he is, uh, and Wizard tries to make some half-hearted street profit sort of explanations for don't things. love it uh, don't love wizard eventually it's just like he has no idea and then travis says that that's just about the stupidest thing i've ever heard mm-hmm. uh, and then travis gets more violent don't they always he is more and more disgusted by the street crime and prostitution he witnesses driving through the city um but now he has a focus for his frustration. Why can't he be quietly disgusted? Just disgusted on his own time. So he calls up Easy Andy, who is, quote unquote, a gun salesman, who <sighs> sells him four guns and just gives totally wrong descriptions of all the weapons as he's doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, because... He's not actually a gun salesman. He's a drug dealer who has these guns and he's trying to offload them. That's why he's trying to sell Travis on 8,000 kinds of drugs after Mm -hmm. he actually sells him the guns. And then a Cadillac. $2,000. Brand new Cadillac. Mm. Pretty good deal. That's a good deal. Uh, That's probably about right for the 70s. (laughs) So Travis... uh, he develops an intense interest in Palantine's public appearances. Hate uh, it. And he blames... Why is he focusing on Palantine? Did I miss something? Just because... Is it just because she works for him? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And he can make a, a public display with him. Gross. Uh, so, he blames him for his failure at wooing Betsy. Uh, and he has a growing list of targets that includes him. He starts a rigorous physical and mental training program where he says that he's going to stop doing pills, stop drinking, stop eating bad foods. You know, Um, those are all wonderful goals to have mm -hmm. if you're doing them to better yourself and not because you want to kill somebody. Thank you. (laughs) You know, if you're going to make the choice to quit junk food and pills and drinking... Do it for the vibes. <laughs> like that. Do it for you. Do, Do it for, for you. you. 
and then Travis goes, looks at his mirror after building a homemade sliding action holster for his okay, gun. Okay, I'm going to say it. That shit was kind of cool. He, he Iron Man that. That that shit was kind of cool. I was like, catch me doing that with a Nerf gun and just pelting Gage <laughs> 24-7. Anna, why are you wearing a coat with such wide sleeves? Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> my full Nerf gun. Uh, and then this is where Travis says that immortal line. You talking to me? Thank you. You're and welcome. then at a Palantine rally... He goes up to a Secret Service agent and tries to talk to him about joining the Secret Service. When he asks where he lives, he gives a six-digit zip code. Also, I'm pretty sure all zip codes on the East Coast start with zero, so... Yeah, 6-1 is an Illinois zip code. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, all the zip codes in Maine start with zero. Mm-hmm. Do That's you want to know it. a fun history about the zip codes? Mm-hmm. So it used to be there weren't zip codes. There were just postal zones. Mm-hmm. And they were larger areas. And then mm-hmm. when the post office needed to get more specific with where places were, uh, they created mm-hmm. the zone improvement plan. Zip. Zip. And they added on three numbers to the existing postal zones. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason six zero and six one are all Illinois. Mm-hmm. It's because that's how they started, and then they added the numbers on after it. Hmm. Wisconsin has all different ones because ours is five three, and most of mine have been five three. Mm-hmm. But I'm because the sure Milwaukee I know. area was five three. Yeah. And then they added on two three three, oh two yeah. seven, blah 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 blah. Hmm. They must have gone from. East to west, then, because California, you know, with the nines. With the nines. California, dressed to the nines. I hate it here. That's it for today's municipal planning fact on In Conclusion. Tune in next week when I explain how sewer systems work. Can't wait. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Uh, So, when Travis is shopping at a grocery store, um, he ends up stopping a robbery by shooting the thief in the face. Stop shooting people. Stop shooting people. Stop carrying. <laughs> I'm so weary. Listen, I know there was a robbery. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, 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 nobody should have guns. Not the robber. Not Travis Pickle. <laughs> Now I'm picturing Larry. Good. From the Veggie Tales. I knew exactly what you were talking about. Good. This movie just made me just. I was thinking, okay? I was thinking about <laughs> politics. And That's thinking, never good. Noah. <sighs> uh, so later he sees Iris on the street and he follows her. Um, Creepy. And then the next day, he asks to pay for her time and is sent to Sport. Sport thinks he's an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. But he does send him up to Iris's room. It's $20 for 15 minutes, if I remember correctly. 
Something like that. I don't know. Fifteen dollars I... for fifteen minutes. Twenty-five for thirty. Hmm. I feel so gross. Yeah, um, me too. Travis doesn't have sex with her in the room. He white knights and tries to convince her to leave her way of life behind, because he is her savior. <sighs> For every sex worker, I feel like there's at least three dudes trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, she is exploited. Mm-hmm. Well, she's 12, so... Yes. Um, if she was 21, maybe it'd be a different story. So, the next day, Travis and Iris meet up for breakfast at a local coffee shop, and Iris is wearing the best sunglasses in the world. Yes, she is. I loved all her sunglasses in this scene. They're so cute. And he becomes obsessed with saving her from her world where she thinks that hanging out with hookers, pimps, and drug dealers is more hip than dating boys and going through school. Uh, Why did this movie become a fucking dare campaign? Uh, Not Christian, because they wouldn't be saying dating boys. No, they they would be reading the Bible and going to Bible Mm -hmm. study. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, getting really into, like, bowling or something uh yeah so iris considers his offer but then sports seduces her disgusting oh yeah we were watching the netflix version and the netflix version doesn't include a lot of that scene thank god so yeah it does it doesn't oh i was watching the netflix version well there's actually gage told me there's a part where you actually see them having sex Mm. But because Jodie Foster was underage, her 19-year-old sister was her body yeah, double. I knew that. Thankfully, that's the part that was cut out. Yes, and thankfully, her 19-year-old sister was the body double also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't want to even think about it. No, thank you. In any form. Yeah. So then I just, Tra- oh. Travis writes a note to Iris that has all his money and saying that once you get this letter, I will be dead. Short and sweet no to the comment. point. No comment. And then at Palantine's next public rally, Travis pops up with a mohawk baby. Oh, no, not the mohawk. And Anna's like, maybe. And no, I, I've lost all interest. <laughs> he, walking through the crowd, he prepares to assassinate the senator, but the Secret Service spot him because of course they do. He's the most conspicuous looking person in the world. He looks like every domestic terrorist that has ever existed. Um, I'm going to have to push back on that because a lot of domestic terrorists have the Timothy McVeigh haircut, which is high and tight. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. He looks I just like... say that because whenever I get my hair cut, my hair only grows in when I get it cut high and tight. So Uh-oh. for a brief Damn, moment, I need to wear hats careful dan it's hard in these streets <laughs> uh so travis goes back to his apartment collects all his guns uh and then drives to the lower east side of new york specifically alphabet city which you may be familiar with if you've ever watched rent how we gonna pay how For we gonna our aids nope no nope. one has aids I love Rand. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. Uh, so he walks up to Sport and confronts him. Sport flicks a lit cigarette on him. Travis says, suck on this, and shoots him in the stomach. And then he storms into the brothel. I will say, the part where he said, suck on this, 
I said mood. And then when he shot him, I said, not a mood. So he storms into the brothel and shoots the bouncer's hand completely off. That was scary. That was not fun. And then Sport follows Travis in, shoots Travis, and it grazes his neck, uh, causing him to start spurting blood. And then Travis unloads all of his guns, all of his one gun into Sport and kills him. Shoots the bouncer again, who follows him upstairs. Iris's customer shoots Travis. Travis shoots him in the face. Bouncer tackles Travis. Travis stabs him and then kills him with a bullet to the head. He tries to kill himself, but all of his weapons are empty, so then he rests on a sofa until the police arrive. And then when the police do come, he mimes shooting himself in the head, and then blissfully thinks of mayhem and carnage in his wake as we get an overhead shot of all the damage that he caused to the brothel. There's so much going on there. Mm -hmm. I think the way that this scene is done is fascinating in a juxtaposition to how every action movie climax is handled for the last 30, 40 years. Where in typical action movies we're supposed to be cheering for this mm-hmm. and here it is horrifying because it is actually horrifying mm-hmm. and because if it happened in real life don't you think you'd be kind of horrified mm-hmm. and i i think that in comparison to the terminator or something else mm-hmm. the rawness of it mm-hmm. um, it's very interesting and, well, and much because, more powerful than yeah because those old those um other movies it's through the lens of like a superhero or a utopia or, or dystopia i mean so it's like mm-hmm. always oh this is cool it could never happen in real life though yeah you know uh, so then we get an epilogue and there's a letter from Iris's parents who thank him for saving their daughter and returning her to them. And the media and everything has hailed him as a hero for nope. saving her as well. And this is where we get our episode's title drop in conclusion. I have a jump scare. <laughs> I scream. And then... Travis returns to his job and he seems much more friendly with the other cabbies. One night, one of his cab fares happens to be Betsy. She comments about him saving Iris and his media fame, but Travis says that he's not a hero. He denies anything of the sort. He drops her off without charging her. And then as he drives off, he adjusts his cab's rear view mirror, gets a strange look on his face. And then the credits roll. And that is Taxi Driver. If he, if I was Betsy and I got in his car, mm-hmm. I would immediately get out. I don't care. But he's if a hero now. If my exes was hailed as a hero, mm-hmm. I would say, 
great for them. Still don't want him in my life. But Anna. No. He's a hero. I don't give a fuck. He could be single-handedly curing cancer. Still don't want that man in my life. So, I know how you feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. If... Will you acknowledge the fact separating your... I guess this your personal skeeviness that it causes my ick yeah your ick to use I the technical term ick. um can you acknowledge that it is an incredibly well done movie because if its goal is to represent the ick it is yes spot on and also we are more desensitized to the mm-hmm. fact of things like this existing mm-hmm. nearly 50 years after this came out. Okay, I can I can respect that if the goal was for it to give me the ick, mm-hmm. then, and like to open my eyes to the fact that there are people like this, mm-hmm. then I would say it succeeded. But if the goal was to just tell a story about a random dude who's a little weird, I don't like it. Yeah. You know what um, I'm saying? And I think that considering who the principal creatives on the movie are, mm-hmm. um, I am almost certain their goal was the former as opposed to yeah. the latter. Yeah. Um, well, then it worked. I got the ick. Congrats. Big time ick. Uh, so I have... I have to say that this this is the second time that I watched it. I watched it for the first mm-hmm. time uh, about a year and a half ago. And I think I... It, it not, not impacted me in an emotional way more. It, it was the same. But just on mm-hmm. a... Part of my theory of like the best movies is that every scene in them on mm-hmm. their own can act as a fully engrossing and engaging short film. Okay. And I noticed in this, every scene on its own has enough rising action, climax, falling action, um, that just watching one scene, you're there's still an emotional impact to it. As there aren't there there isn't any throwaway moment that you can be like, that's just in there to be there everything matters and everything is executed as well as it can be yeah i will say i feel like all the stories were needed mm-hmm. um i feel like it they did a good job of explaining really why this character was the way he was there were no questions that i was left with unanswered um i think that's because movies today are more likely to try and be something they're not by adding complicated things that don't need to be in there whereas movies in in the past were not quite that way you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and i i think we kind of got our trope of like threes mm-hmm. you know like in the beginning he's just this troubled guy trying to find his way in the world Part two was the 
rise and fall with Betsy and why he became this like crazed person in part three is really about Iris. You know what I'm saying? It's like three chapters almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, One theory about the ending Mm -hmm. is that Travis died or was dying during the shootout and it's a dream Mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm. Um, That theory has been Shot down by Paul Schrader, who wrote Mm -hmm. it. Um, He more said that um, the ending is supposed to be that Travis is uh, not cured and he's not going to be a hero and he is not a hero. Um, It is basically the last frame could be spliced to the first frame and the movie starts all over again. Oh, shit. I kind of like that. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Uh, You're here to hear first. Anna likes Taxi Driver. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. I like the idea that it's cyclical Mm -hmm. and that it happened once, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Because it kind of gives the idea of just because Travis's story is done doesn't mean that somewhere else in this cinematic universe or just in real life there isn't somebody else going through the exact same thing who's about to have the exact same experiences. Yeah. Um, there was a disclaimer that was added during the end credits at some point mm-hmm. um, when this airs on television, uh, mentioning that the distinction between hero and villain is sometimes a matter of interpretation or misinterpretation of facts. Interesting. There's no hero in this movie. Um, Full stop. No, I... I'm I'm just... Literally, I'm trying to think of one. Albert Brooks? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, there's no hero. No hero. there are no heroes in life. Nihilism, baby. Jesus Christ, I'm fucking (laughs) tired. Uh, I have trivia for you. Let's hear it. I'm ready. So the producers were looking for a Sybil Shepherd type to play mm-hmm. Betsy. Uh, when her agent heard this, she called them and was like, why not hire Sybil Shepherd?" <laughs> That's funny, actually. Uh, Robert De Niro worked for 15 hours a day for a month driving cabs to prepare for the role. Good for him. That's and, the kind of method I can get behind. And he studied mental illness and... He was filming a movie called 1900 at the same time. Mm -hmm. And during his off time, he visited an army base in northern Italy and recorded conversations with Midwestern soldiers so he could pick up their accent. But it takes place in New York. Yeah, but he but Travis, he he assumes Travis is from somewhere Midwestern. Because all Midwesterners are crazy. Makes sense. Mm hmm. Um. Robert De Niro was only recognized once while driving his cab. Really? During the whole research for it, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I never, ever, ever look at whoever's driving my Uber or whatever. I'm always just looking at my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, uh, Jodie Foster's sister, Connie Foster, was her body double in any of the more explicit scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh Jodie Foster says that Robert De Niro would regularly phone her up and suggest they have coffee together, and then they would rehearse the diner scene over and over. 
um, to the point where Jodie Foster got bored, but then Robert De Niro would insist they continue rehearsing. Uh, and she also called De Niro basically her first acting coach. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I like that. I mean, he probably wanted to make sure that, like, she felt comfortable with their scene and stuff. And, like, I don't know. He seems... he. Hello, universe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Robert De Niro <laughs> seems like a cool guy. Um, let's see. I, I am looking at his personal life section on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And the only questionable thing is there is a, a section that's called Stance on Vaccination. Wait, no. Why does this always happen? De Niro has stated he is not anti-vax, but does question their efficacy. That's that's bad enough. Sir, you are elderly. Get a vaccine. Thank you. He also endorsed Pete Buttigieg in the 2020 presidential election, which I find funny more than anything. At least it wasn't Trump, I guess. No, he, he hated Trump. Thank God. Um, Bare minimum Twitter. <laughs> Robert De Niro and he improvised the you talking to me scene. That was not in the script. The script just said yeah. Travis talks to himself in a mirror. Interesting. Um, we have a poster of what movie whose line classic movie quotes on our wall. And I bet if I took the time to go through all a million quotes that are on here. Oh my I gosh. could find that quote. I'm almost certain. Does it say the movie or does it just have yeah. the line on there? Oh, there it is. 24. You're talking to me. And if I go to 24, Travis Bickle, taxi driver. Yep, that took all five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a garbage strike going on while they were filming it. So a lot Ooh. of the on-screen filth was just there. Okay, well... New York plays itself. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no! Ew. Uh, Steven Spielberg visited the music recording sessions. Mm -hmm. uh, and he told the composer, Bernard Herman how much he admires his work. And Herman responded, Oh, yeah? Then why do you always use John Williams for your films? I love John Williams. <laughs> love John Williams. And then the last piece of trivia is that Harvey Keitel uh, rehearsed with pimps to prepare for his role. Oh, he just went out on the street and found some and was like, hey, can I can I vibe with you guys for a little bit? Excuse me, good sir. I would like to abuse <laughs> some women with you. Do you know where I can do so? <laughs> yeah, come on in. <laughs> um. So, do you have any other thoughts about this before we get to the questions? It, <sighs> okay, Rick Fraser, do you have know. any other thoughts that you want to talk about? I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts about this. I have but a lot you of thoughts want to talk about, about this. I just think it was something. I just don't understand why people pray. I mean, like, I guess I get it. Like, yeah, it's a good movie if you're talking about, like, it making you think. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know that I think it's a greatest movie of all time situation. 
But we already know like, my taste is questionable, so. I feel like our our thoughts on this movie are just the meme of the, like, virgin film fan versus mm-hmm. Chad movie enjoyer. No, I don't want to talk Chad to Chad. movie enjoyer. I'm Chad movie enjoyer? Yeah, because you're just living life. You're liking the movies for the vibes. Oh, yeah. I was nervous for a second. No. I am uh, Chad movie enjoyer. I just want to have a good time. I don't want to feel like upsetty spaghetti unless I'm choosing to see a sad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if so, I want to be hurt, I want to be hurt. Okay, that's enough. We're not talking about the Fifty Shades trilogy. Oh, God. I wasn't either. <laughs> Would this movie be better, worse, or the same with Jonathan Taylor Thomas as Albert Brooks? Better. The Pimp? Confirmed. Just better no, in every. Albert Brooks anyway? wasn't better. He'd be better in both roles. Okay, Travis. Let me see JTT with his coke nail. JTT with that mohawk. No. Okay, that's the line. That's the line. Um, better worse than the George... George Clooney as the politician. <gasps> eh, worse. Or as He's Travis. The too handsome. No too one handsome. would ever reject him. Too handsome, too charming. Yeah. Robert De Niro is a good enough actor to not be charming. I'm sure mm-hmm. in real life he is charming because. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I don't. Th- I don't know that George Clooney really knows how to turn off that charm. It's because he's so pretty. Even in like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, he's so charming. He, oh my gosh, he's the man of constant sorrow. Me too. Uh, on a scale of one to five. Swedish porn movies. What do you give it? Three. Three. Okay. Oh, that's low for you. Yeah. I'm going to just give it a three because, like, you know, I guess I do like the heavy breathing. I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking. I like when I can see a villain in real life. Like, that's cool. Like, the villain is... But I also don't like it because it's just so, like... Life is heavy. I go to the movies to escape, not to be taught, like, the same thing I'm literally seeing on the news every single fucking day. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, I give it four and a half out of five. That's high. It hit me. Thought it was good. Thought it was mm. thought provoking. You probably wouldn't have have had to be provoked to have those thoughts if you were a woman. <laughs> that is it for this week's episode of In Conclusion. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about the King of Comedy, which more is another, Robert. Another Robert, more Scorsese too. Oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. All these elderly men. Again, this was 1980. Mm, okay. They were not elderly at this point. Sorry, well, 1982. Good year. Uh, also, Jerry Lewis. Oh. So get excited for that. In the meantime, if you want to find us, you can follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at and in conclusion on Instagram at Inconclusion Podcast. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash inconclusion. You can find me on TikTok 
at not Dan O'Keefe and on Twitter at Dan O'Keefe 86. Anna, where can they find you? Hi, you can find me on Instagram at Adamus Prime 818, where I've been posting like a fun poll of the day lately. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so far, um, every one of my choices have not been the consensus opinion. Dan, Dan, Dan. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. I support you anyway. Thank you. Or you can find me on Twitter, where I sent a tweet out last week, at Autobots Roll Out, capital over auto, capital B for bots, capital R for roll, and the O in roll, and the O in out, out, zeros. We will be back in the span of one Anna Auto tweet to talk about the king of comedy. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, have fun, and Robert De Niro, get vaccinated. Bye-bye. Thank you. Please, Robert. Bye. She sounds like a real bitch. Hey, Creative Land Podcast.